0: this dive is going to blow your mind. I was really intimidated to do this dive. Maybe that's why I took a little bit more time to dig into this one, because we're now getting into the queen tracks that have a little bit more traction going for them, a little bit more well-known, a little bit bigger hits, a little bit more widely loved. And as such, There are a lot of opinions about these kinds of songs, and they've already been analyzed like crazy and talked about a million times, and people know them very, very well. They're more popular. So naturally, as I think about going into these Queen Deep Dives that are a little bit more well-known amongst the general population, I get a little freaked out because this is the first time I'm doing a song that was a big hit, ladies and gentlemen. This is Killer Queen. Dive number 23, track number two on Queen's fantastic game changer of an album, Sheer Heart Attack, released in 1974. This is all Freddie Mercury territory, if it wasn't already obvious. This vaudeville glam pop rock number that gave these guys huge recognition and made big waves in many countries, this is all Marvelous Freddie. Marvelous Mercury. <laughs> I have these little nicknames for the guys, and I got into calling Brian's tracks Moody May numbers simply because he's very passionate and expressive in his compositions, and Freddie is marvelous, darling. So we're having a lot of fun here with Freddie. And this song, if you didn't already know, was a big hit. Written in 1974, released as a single in October of 74, and it charted big time. Number two in the UK and number 12 on the U.S. Billboard 100. Not yet cracking the top 10, but we're getting pretty close here. 117 beats per minute, a very comfortable tempo, a perfectly singable, hummable, get into it, relax, jive tempo. It's not too fast. It's not really slow. It's just a perfect 117 beats per minute. Time signature might surprise you, given that we're in typically fantastical Freddy territory, but here it's very, very different. Four, four time signature, four beats quarter notes for each beat, and it's a shuffle beat. It's got a little bit of a variation to it, but nonetheless, it's still just a 4-4 four, four time signature. We're not going into 12-8 or 6-8 territory here. Nope. Keeping it simple. But the keys, though, key changes, variations, never a shortage with Freddie. C minor, E flat major, B flat major, a little bit of C major, and then finally D minor. It's interesting because on guitar, you don't often play these flat keys. But here we are, no shortage of interest with a Freddie Mercury number. What is this about? (laughs) As if we don't know what Killer Queen is about. This is all about, this is directly from Freddie, by the way, this comment. It's all about a high-class prostitute. A call girl, essentially. That's really all it is. There have been questions over the years. Who is it about? And Freddie's always been adamant. It's just a fictional character. It's just a thought. He would much rather leave it up to the interpretation of the listener to determine what this is about or who it's about or if it's about anything specific at all. Because Freddie is very enigmatic. He likes to keep everything with the listener. He doesn't like to impose his own opinions on others. And I kind of love that about him, actually. I love that he can write something that seems so detailed and specific, but yet it retains this, again, this enigmatic quality that leaves it all up with the listener. This song is catchy, clever. Oh my gosh, the lyrics, so clever, full of innovative audio and production effects. It exemplifies Queen in perfect fashion, fully realized, fully energized and full of edgy style. If Freddie did indeed think of Queen as a classy band, this song is a perfect example of their musical niche. With flanging, which is a subtle sonic manipulation of layering for a phasing effect, panning, the back and forth from left to right, multi-tracked vocals and guitars, glissandos, distortion, The production magic here is subtle, but it's immense and super effective. That trudging but addictive drumbeat gives a little nod to the Beatles' Penny Lane. This is a comment that's made, I've heard it at least once, if not twice or more, from various critics and DJs over the years. And there's an unusual meter structure here that includes four-bar phrases immediately followed by five-bar phrases and then two bar phrases with the tempo changing from 128 to 68 very briefly and vice versa. So while this is in 4/4 time signature, there's little inflections that change it up just enough to create this interesting addictive quality that makes it just that much more unique. And you don't really realize it when you listen to this song, there's so many little things in this song that you don't notice until you sit back and really pick it apart. All kinds of similes galore that make this one of Freddie's absolute best lyrics. I mean, oh, well, well, we'll get into the details later. <laughs> you guys know how brilliant this is on a lyrics level. It's, it's incredibly creative. It's, it's catchy. It's cheeky. So much swagger. Oh my goodness, the swag is off the charts. So in its beginnings, Killer Queen was very much a sophisticated pop song on piano. It didn't have its recognizable rhythmic style until the boys went into the studio to record it. And it was the first of several vaudeville inspired poppier songs that Freddie would craft. Another one being good old fashioned lover boy. We'll get to that one on a much later album. The backing track grand piano, which was recorded simultaneously with the bass and the drums, is doubled by an overdubbed jangle piano. And this was a technique that wasn't often used by Queen or other rock bands, especially, but it was prevalent in American bands like the Beach Boys and other poppier tracks. This song is so distinctive in sound but it never set any trends. It still exemplifies many sounds of the 70s and therefore it stands out as a single. It was performed 474 times. What? On almost every single tour, usually as part of a medley, And they performed it on Top of the Pops three times, the first being October 11th, 1974, despite at least some of the band not being too keen on Top of the Pops, because you had to mime when you were on Top of the Pops. Those performances helped fuel the interest in Queen immensely. Freddie's classically camp performance in his fur coat, those white satin pants, the black nails, and the seductive and sultry expressions with the microphone. (laughs) I love his subtle moves with the microphone. It just, it cracks me up. It, it seems so not even planned on his. It just, it just seems innate that he would stand up there and do those things with the microphone in his hand. It's brilliant. Brian stands out in his white coat during his solos and his white nails. I don't know if you've noticed, earlier in Queen's career, Freddie had black nails on one hand, and Brian sometimes had white nails. I don't know if they did this on purpose or if it was just something that they occasionally did for their own amusement. But yes, if you look closely, Brian has white fingernails. And Freddie has this playful move with John on his bass going into the second chorus on that Top of the Pops performance. And Raj, of course, makes the most of his shots with slick riff moves on the drums and his classy tie (laughs) with the denim shirt. It's fabulous. It's interesting that his mic is placed on his right, which was never the case in real live performances, but undoubtedly it worked better for camera angles and the way the stage was set. When the song was performed live during tours, it was always quick catchy, buttoned up, very tight harmonies from Freddie, Brian and Raj during the choruses and a little edgier thanks to the drums and Brian's always varied tricks on his guitar solos. Freddie obviously enjoyed playing this on the piano while he would soulfully sing, perfectly sing. These performances of these lyrics were so absolutely wonderful. He sounds very at home on this song and John... Let's talk about John for a minute. This man seldom sang during live performances. He just casually, effortlessly held down the fort with his prowess on the bass and his elegant dance moves, his disco deaky dance moves. But in Killer Queen, he is prominently featured on the triangle. Ping! (laughs) Usually at the start of the second verse, though sometimes after the second verse before going into another Song as part of the medley performance. This is such a well loved and often memed moment in Queen fandom. His little ping on the triangle. We love that moment. We love you, John. Some comments from the band. There are quite a few to choose from. And a lot of this is due to not just interest in Freddie's clever lyrics, but the fact that the song was written and a lot of it recorded while Brian was still recovering in the hospital after his hepatitis and then his ulcer flare-ups. So he came back in later to record his bits on the guitar. But here's what Freddie said about this song. Quote, People are used to hard rock energy music from Queen, yet with this single, you almost expect Noel Coward to sing it. It's one of those bowler hat, black suspender belt numbers. Not that Coward would wear that. It's about a high-class call girl unquote. So again, we're talking about someone who is very, very into fabulousness. Brian said, quote, Killer Queen was the turning point. It was the song that best summed up our kind of music and a big hit, and we desperately needed it as a mark of something successful happening for us. I was always very happy with this song. It's Vintage Queen. The first time I heard Freddie playing The song. I was lying in my room in Rockfield feeling very sick. I thought, I can't even get out of bed to participate in this. Maybe the group will have to go on without me. Unquote. Super sad. I feel such sympathy just reading this quote because I can imagine Brian lying there in this studio hearing Freddie play this, going, Wow, what a great, catchy number. So different for us, but so needed and necessary. Brian was actually purportedly shocked by the progressive and lighter sound of the song, but must have recognized its brilliance. More recent comments from Brian from Q Magazine in March of 2008, quote, This is a perfect pop record and one of Freddie's greatest songs. It's beautifully constructed, and it's also got one of the solos I'm most proud of, unquote. Now, Freddie, Brian, and Roger did an interview in New York in 1976 and talked about the band's beginnings as well as... The song killer queen and in that interview brian says they knew it would be a hit in england and roger piggybacked on that saying quote when i first heard him being freddie play it and singing along with it it sounded like a number one to me end quote and freddie chimes in with this is brilliant the dollar signs went up in his eyes <laughs> It's this brilliant moment of Freddie perfectly interrupting Roger's statement with this cheeky little little statement, and he's absolutely correct, I'm sure. Now, DJ Tom Brown interviewed all the boys in 1977 on BBC Radio 1, and Tom Brown... Gave Killer Queen much praise, especially the lyrics, and prodded Freddie about the song's subject. And again, Freddie confirmed it's entirely fictitious and that to analyze everything would be, quote, very boring for the audience, unquote. He never wanted to do that. He wanted to make it interesting, fun, a little bit flirtatious, fabulous, the swag. We're back to that swag. This song is so full of swag. Fun facts about Killer Queen, it was written by Freddie in a single night. It was one of the rare instances. He wrote the lyrics before the music, and it was the band's first international hit. It was in the top 10 of many countries' charts, including France, Norway, Ireland, and Belgium, just to name a few. Eric Hall, former publicist for EMI, stated in the documentary The Story of Queen Mercury Rising that Freddie told him, that Killer Queen was written about him. Now, this is believed to be completely untrue. I guess we'll never know. When it comes to the boys recording this in the studio while Brian was in the hospital, apparently, Freddie already knew what kind of guitar harmonies the song needed and played a piano track that supported those harmonies. So I'm sure Brian listened to that and then came in and did his own little flowery embellishments with it, but to know that Freddie was thinking about that in advance, thinking, oh, I want to have a guitar riff here. Pretty cool how they informed each other on how they wanted things to be played. Some critics' comments. We've got a critics' how dare they moment here. Of course we do. It's a more well-known number from the guys. Of course there were some critics that, that were crying foul about it. So in footage from a radio studio... EMI publicist Eric Hall pitches Killer Queen to a DJ who casually rejects it because, quote, it's a bit much for the morning and not really a breakfast record, is it? Unquote. What? (laughs) It's funny because when you think about the song now and what plays on the radio now, it's like, wait a minute. This is kind of (laughs) lighthearted compared to some of the energetic stuff we hear now. But of course, at the time, Killer Queen was edgy. It was different. It was unique. It had a little bit of rock going on, even though it was very poppy. So yeah, this this guy, this DJ was not about it, but some praise from some critics. Killer Queen is described by AllMusic as the true beginning of Queen's radio sound and recalls the cabaret songs of yesteryear, but also shows how Queen was fast becoming a master of power pop. In modern press... Critics generally acknowledge the song's catchiness, the brilliant blend of styles, and the perfect vehicle for Freddie's emergence as a suave and charismatic front man for Queen. That is undoubtedly the one thing that stands out more than anything, even in retrospect. This was Freddie's moment here. And obviously, he's the songwriter. But this was where people went, whoa, this guy is cool. He's different. He's interesting. He's flamboyant. He's very smart. He's very artistic. He's very expressive. All of these things were coming out to make people suddenly go, wow, this isn't just a rock band. These guys are so much more than that. All of these creative facets. I love this song. And it impresses me more every single time I hear it. And I'll give you some context, guys. I've heard this song so many times. We've all heard this song a lot, but every time I listen to it, I hear something new. It's really not that busy. When we compare it to to crazy rock numbers like Great King Rat or Liar, this is not a hard rock packed overproduced number like most of Queen 2 was, and I love that album. I love that album because the guys went over the top. But here again, much more refined, strategic, sophisticated, different layers of sound that are more minimal, but super effective. And still, despite the lack of sounds here, there's always something that jumps out at me because these guys so cleverly panned things to the left and the right and against each other. There were sounds as I was listening to this for this deep dive that I never noticed before. And it was all because they fit so perfectly within the context of the sounds of the song in the moment that you simply don't notice them because they just work together so well. And with that being said, we're gonna go right into it. Finger snaps. What is this? This is queen indeed. This is ultimately the queen everyone came to know and love. Freddie chimes in. She keeps Moe Ashandan in her pretty cabinet. Tricky, playful, teasing piano, jangle piano. Then a little bass and a little beat, thanks to John and Roger. A catchy arrangement with Freddie's clever lyrics bouncing effortlessly around the musical arrangement. Despite the song's extremely singable and charming appeal, it's actually quite complex in melody. This goes back to the subtle shifts in time signature, the four bars into the five bars measures we have. Trying to sing the lead vocals a cappella can be a challenging experience here. Listening to the conclusion of the verse, we get that intricate arrangement of harmonies, accidentals, shifts in key, and offbeat performances from the instruments, chromatic scales, Melodies and harmonies offsetting with such style and sophistication. The bass, the drums, the guitar. Freddie, all in perfect, complimentary delivery. The layered vocal harmonies. Those are so warm and cheery when they come in. Pivots and modulations take us into the chorus. She's a killer queen. Gunpowder. Gelatine. Dynamite with a laser beam. Can we talk about these lyrics and all of them in the song? I mean... To know that Freddie whipped this out in record time with all of these clever similes, cheeky remarks, memorable, but quite enigmatic phrases, it's amazing. It's impressive. The harmonies here, so Queen, so Freddie, instantly recognizable to all of us now, but made a massively powerful and swagger-filled statement in the day. The drums take a slightly louder plodding approach in the chorus, backed by John's precise bass line and simple piano, so simple but incredible and I have to listen to it over and over again just to pick this apart. It's brilliant. A change in time signature like this little hesitation. There it is going from the four bars to the five bars and a ba tish from Raj to emphasize the tricks of our song's subject. Wanna try? That vocal glissando is genius. Falling into a little lick before the next verse, Brian chimes in with just one of his most lyrical solo snippets ever, a cymbal fade in, John's offbeat bass, a drum roll, glorious sparkling triangle. John's bass against Freddie's vocals is incredible to listen to. It's tight, balanced, like this echo of each other. They're playing this impressive game of back and forth and perfect compatibility. Into the chorus again, ba, 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 and Brian's solo that everyone knows and sings so well. Imagining this without Brian's layered guitar lines, it would be incredibly thin and in dire need of something to give it life. Thank you, Brian. That last verse, a playful guitar jab, then she'll absolutely drive you wild. Drum roll, please, again. Those drums are so great and perfectly placed as always. I love Freddie's falsetto. She's out to get you. Contrasted with those toms and the heavy percussion here and that little chime that goes up like some magical spell. That moment, I got to admit, I didn't immediately even notice it, those chimes. And there it is. The last chorus layers even more with rich harmony vocals and guitars. And as we close it out with a flanger or laser beam, if you like, effect with wanna try, the guitars and the chords and the bass and the drums repeat in this memorable motif of descending and echoing guitars. So many tricks and one-offs here, like that triangle and the chimes, thoughtfully executed, creating this completely surprising style of pop and vaudeville-infused rock that just works. It's exactly three minutes. It's short, sweet, succinct, encapsulating every facet of Queen's sonic arsenal that emphasizes their penchant for sophisticated rock and roll. Especially when it comes to Freddie's compositions, you will find almost no other more sophisticated number than this one. And that comment comes from... I think I've heard Roger say something that alludes to that. And I'm sure Brian, well, he said the same thing, basically. This is one of Freddie's absolute best. That's why it did so well on the charts. That's why it remains a standout. That's why people love it so much. This is one of those songs from Queen that is a very, very favorite of many. I do... Still love the hard rocker, heavier, louder numbers more. But when it comes to the catchy stuff, the hits, this is certainly at the top for me. It's right up there with some of their other deeper, in my opinion, even more creative tracks. But this song is just such a standout, such a wonderful first big hit for the guys and takes us into more of the diversity that we'll hear on Sheer Heart Attack. Killer Queen, dynamite with a laser beam. Some of my very favorite lyrics ever from the boys on this song. So go in, dive in and listen to it. Catch any one of their live performances of it as it's included in the medleys through the years. I mean, what did I say? 474 times performed. There's got to be at least 100 of those on YouTube somewhere. So go check them out and enjoy. Go check out the Montreal 81 version. That performance is so special because it was basically high def for the day. It looks like it was filmed yesterday. And the quality of the sound is incredible. The guys allegedly hated the film crew for that performance because the film crew were right up in their way. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad we have it. And I'm sure the guys, I'm sure Brian and Raj and even John are happy that we have it as well. It's nice to look back on it. Check out Killer Queen. Even if you've heard it already, listen to it again because I guarantee you there's going to be something that hits you in the face that you never noticed before. Just listen to it in the dark. Listen to it while you're listening to and paying attention to nothing else and have fun. In the meantime keep yourselves alive. I'll be back again with another Queen Deep Dive. We've got so much more to get through. I'm so excited, guys. We're not even like a quarter of the way done with this, I don't think. We're not even up to Dive 25 yet, so a lot more to go. Stay with me for this incredible ride.